down with the ITC. Yeah, you know me. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we shoot for the double leg and take you down with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear just about ready to tag in a fired up King Mo. King Mo's a tough son of a bitch. That guy's all right with me. He's all right with me, too. That's Bellator money weight fighter Muhammad Lawal, who has the hot takes of brewing following an entertaining UFC 225 card in Chicago over the weekend. Was UFC justified in sending CM Punk to the octagon a second time? Is Colby Covington really the next big thing in the sport? Did the judges get it wrong? When Robert Whitaker took a split decision from Yoel Romero, we've got all that and then some short, dark, and handsome with a show that is back to assault your eardrums. I back. Trust me. I back. That's what we're talking about it. And let me remind you that if you hear something on today's show that you like. If you see something, say something. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts. Spread the love. Spread the word. Five-star review. Shout us out there. We love to hear from you. It goes a long way. Hey, you know, uh, without any further ado, right? I mean, this show smells good. I'm ready for it. There's a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Oh, yeah. Let's just get right into it. The MMA consummation, the golden audio of the great King Mo. MMA royalty is back. Enjoy. All right, we are back. King Mo, B.C., Ready to talk UFC 225 and a lot of news this week in the MMA news cycle. King Ball, welcome back to the show. How is it, my man? I mean, I was good. Sorry about the um, the visual or the, the video um, problems we're having. My, I don't know what's wrong with my video, but um, it's not working right yeah, now. Yeah, inside so. baseball here. I, I can hear King Mo. I cannot see him over the uh, the magic of Skype here, but I can hear the the voice of MMA royalty. That is uh, that's good enough for me right now, King Mo. Did you catch the card that that got me fired up ahead of time? That got me fired up while I was watching it. I really enjoyed UFC 225. There's a lot of branches on this tree to break down afterwards. Your just initial over general reaction to this thing. Um, actually, I, the, the, what got me was the, the main, actually the main card was what, was, was what was gold. They did a good job putting this card together, but the main card, I feel like, um, delivered. It, yeah, it absolutely did. I, I was, uh, I was fired up for that. And man, like I, you know, like we said coming in, this was a very deep card, top to bottom. There were a lot of storylines, fighters that you had to see. I don't think I've ever gone out of my way, maybe outside of like UFC 200 to like fire up UFC Fight Pass and turn on the, the prelim bouts at like 6 p.m. Eastern, but they kind of made you do it this time around. They actually loaded up a card, so that was good to see, King Mo. I was there early and ready to, to check that out. Busy weekend altogether though, King Mo. I mean, I'm sure you saw some of those boxing matches. This was, this about it. That was about as good as a combat sports weekend as you can get. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, great weekend. Great weekend for fights. Great weekend for MMA. Um, even pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, if you're going to bring it up, NJPW, Dominion, <laughs> yeah, Kenny Dominion. Omega, Kazuchika Okada, Part 4, King Mo, there are those who are saying, and I will definitely get into this deep on the wrestling podcast this week, that that was the greatest match in pro wrestling history. One hour, four minutes. Did you yeah. see it? Did you think that? King Mo, serve it up to the people. What do you think? 
Well, my homeboy watched it. He told me, Mo, hands down, it's the best match. I'm going to watch it tonight or tomorrow, but I'm definitely going to peep it because, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with uh, Omega and Okada. And I heard that um, Rhodes is going to, I guess, he, you know, he, he came out, he came to the ring and uh, attacked Omega or or had a face-off with them or face something off. like that. Yeah, yeah, they gave yeah, each other off, looks, yeah. and now we're going to see them against each other, right? San Francisco, <laughs> the, the G1 special NJPW is doing in early July. Yeah, I'm fired up for that. I'm fired up. That That's about as good as it gets in pro wrestling. Hey, WWE, take notice. And I don't mean, hey, WWE, call up Kenny Omega and steal him. I mean, hey, WWE, change your ways, bro. Yeah. Right? I, they won't. Nah, They've been doing it for so long. Um, like, you know, I hope they do – I hope they can – um. Correct the correct the errors they made with Bobby Lashley. Uh, Maybe uh, they're just missing Bobby Lashley to see where he's at, to, and then give him a big push later. Um, with Ronda, I I don't know what's gonna happen with Ronda. I hope they can, you know, they they can milk what they can out of her and keep her going. Well, did you see Ric Flair may have let the cat out of the bag when he, when he was asked in an interview the other day if his daughter Charlotte, you know, will face Ronda at WrestleMania if she thinks that's a match. And Rick was like, well, they better do it quick because Ronda's only got a one-year deal and she wants to have kids and she may not be around, which may explain why Ronda's in a title fight Sunday at Money in the Bank and it seems like they're suddenly fast-tracking her, King Mo. You think – what do you think? You think she's got a uh, – you think this could be like one year and done? Hey, I scratched it off my bucket list? Nah, I think that she might lose and, and they're going to they're gonna try, like, you know, to, like, you know, kind of – Put the carrot in the rabbit's face, you know what I'm saying? Dangle the carrot in her face and be like, hey, we'll put, we pushed you. We'll push you more. We just need a longer, we need a longer time with you. And there's no, like, in pro wrestling, in this wrestling world, being fast tracked is good, but in the long run, it'll come back and bite you in the ass. This is a guy who knows what he's talking about, King Mo. He's, you've, you've taken part in just about every combat sport. I haven't seen, wait, you never had a pro boxing match though, right? You've sparred with a no. million boxers. Yeah, yeah, I just had a wrestling match. I had a wrestling match on Saturdays, as a matter of fact. You did talk, um, speak it. What, where and when? Uh, yeah, it was at Blueprint Wrestling, uh, six man tag team match. Um, what ended up happening is Moose interfered, kicked me. Yes. And then, um, we, we, we had to put him over. We put, um, the other people, the other team over, but, uh, you know, Tommy Dreamer was there. He wrestled. Our Blueprint Wrestling, we're, we're, um, it's our third show and we're growing. You know, each, each, each time we wrestled, uh, the crowd's gotten bigger and bigger, and uh, our storylines are pretty good, it, pretty entertaining. What, tell me, what would you take a few bumps? What happened? What what, what, what was uh, the action like for King Mo in there? The action, the action was good for me. I didn't, you know, I'm I'm the strong character, so the only bump I had to take, I had to take was from Moose because Moose is a bigger guy than me. So I had to. But other than that, I was wrecking shop, putting boots, boots to asses, knuckles to chins, <laughs> knuckles to the body. Slams, submission holes, chokes. I was doing it all. It was fun, man. All Great right. match. I'm talking about no, no blade jobs. We didn't get too extreme here, right? No, 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 no. All right. I, by the way, I know that's almost archaic at this point, but when I see a good blade job like I saw in, uh, you know, in the build up to Chris Jericho, Tetsuya Naito and NJPW, it still just fires me up old school. I know it's not sanitary. <laughs> it's not necessarily, uh, what goes on a lot today. I don't need to see blood and death matches, but sometimes you got to see color for, for a match to really grab you. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the, 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 what, what I heard, what they said is, red brings green. Oh yeah, no doubt about. It. Still today, it's still well sometimes today, but yeah, back in the day, man, if you're willing to to cut that forehead, more money's coming your way, and that's why those guys like the late Dusty Rhodes had those like race, you know, those tracks on their forehead from just a, you know three thousand blade jobs night after night. It's uh. But King Mo, you remember being a kid when you'd grab that wrestling magazine off the rack. You'd grab the one with the dude on the cover with the blood f- 
flowing down his face. I feel like every picture in every wrestling magazine in like 1985 that I reached out and grabbed was just filled with people getting bloodied, and that's that's what that's what sold it. It yeah, felt man. real. Red brings the green, yeah, you know, and the people like seeing blood. Combat sports, pro wrestling, football, bat, you know, like blood. People love blood. Movies, blood, blood brings the, you know, red brings the green. King Mo, real quick truth. before we get into MMA, you grew up in Texas, correct? Yeah. Did you get? Did you watch the Von Erichs back then, or were you a little too young? No, I saw Von Erichs. Yeah. That was a wild time, man. That place was that, that was it was still real to them. Damn it, there. In, in <laughs> man, put it like this in the South. I did, I did a match in a in a out there in Alabama, in in the South. Wrestling still still is real. Yes. What kind of athlete were you in high school, King Mo? What'd you play? Um, uh, football. I wrestled, ran track. What what position were you in football? Uh, I played uh we played a bunch of passing teams, so I played outside linebacker and receiver. Nice, nice. All right, all right. And any you know you got any Al Bundy stories? Four touchdowns in one game. You got anything big you want to share with the people? People don't know this side of King Mo's history. Nah, no Al Bundy stories, man. You know the past is the past. I, I don't live in the past. Oh, this guy's like Mark McGuire. I'm not here to talk about the past, people. I'm here. To- <laughs> Here to talk about the future and the future at MMA. Hey, Kingbo, UFC 225. I enjoyed the crap out of it. We said that controversial main event, but it may have been the fight of the year, Kingbo. The rematch, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero, supposed to be for that full UFC middleweight championship, supposed to be finally clarity in a deep division that needed it because we thought we were getting the two best middleweights in the world squaring off for the full championship. No, we didn't get that because our good old buddy, the soldier of God, missed weight again. Ah, man. But again, after missing weight, Yoel delivered a hell of a fight. My one sentence review from this fight is, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, we got dogs. I love it. Romero got screwed, King Mo. True or false? Uh, you know what? I wouldn't say true or false. I think it was a close fight. I don't know because really personally, he missed weight. So, like, how can you get screwed in a, in a fight that, like, he missed weight in? Well, split like, decision, in, split decision, five yeah, yeah, rounds, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, but see, here's my thing, right? In Japan, if you missed weight, the person that made weight would get the, would get the, um, benefit of the doubt. So if it was a close fight, if it was a close fight, you go to the guy that made weight. That's what they did in Japan. This fight was a super close fight. Grand Ramiro missed weight by point two, but the, 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 the mystery round to me was the fourth round. How so? Well, Romero, Romero, Romero did work at the end of that round, but earlier, the the first four minutes was was all Whitaker pretty much. Interesting. All right. So, the, so the recap: the first two rounds were pretty much all Whitaker to the point where I'm yeah. starting to question: like, does Romero still have it? He his eye swelled up really badly off of a punch. It just or maybe it was a kick to the head. I just, it was no, a it was strike. A it was a punch. It was a, it punch. Was a punch. I'm like, you know, this guy's. It's not going in the right direction. Well, then I started to think in the back of my head, is he conserving energy for a strong late finish, knowing he has a history of not being able to give you five hard rounds? Their first fight last year, it was like every other round Romero brought it. Well, he brought it beginning with the third round. King Mo, that third round, that's, that's pretty much the round of the year. I mean, have you seen better back and forth action for five minutes? Holy crap, the heart from both of these guys. But my final summation is I thought Romero won that round. I also thought he round won round four, which you said was sort of a swing round. I clearly thought he won round five. That's three to two on my scorecard. How did you sort of mentally score it there? Mm, I, I first two rounds to Whitaker, 
Rounds three to Romero. Rounds four, who knows? Round five, Romero. You know what I'm saying? So the fourth round is what you, the fourth round, the fifth round are interesting because the fifth round, you give 10-8 to Romero. The fourth round, do you, do you favor um, Romero's strong, strong finish or do you um, favor, um, um, Whitaker's three to four rounds, three to four minutes of, uh, winning and doing in volume? So what do you prefer? I preferred Romero, even if I'm just not giving 10 eight rounds to anybody and just doing 10 round on all five. I, I 10 nine on all five. I had Romero three to two. I, I just don't see how two of the judges came up with Whitaker winning. And I know you don't judge a fight after the fact, right? Because anybody watching the full five rounds, if they gave a score after, you'd be like, well, Romero won that fight, right? Whitaker got knocked around the second half. Obviously, you score it round by round, but even in a round by round sense, I just don't see how Whitaker gets the edge there. I just, I, it doesn't add up mathematically to me. Maybe I'm, I don't think I'm alone on this. When that result was was announced, I'm like, really? Really? It's, I don't know. It depends on the fourth, on the fourth round. Is the question. The fourth round and the fifth round on how you scored the fifth round and um, and who you gave the fourth round to. That's the that's the the toss up right there. What's interesting here is that Whitaker uh he fought he fought his ass off. I mean, he had so much heart. I mean, he, he I thought he was going to get stopped at, at certain points in the in the third and fourth and he and he persevered. And that was great to see. But I didn't exit this fight thinking that Robert Whitaker is the best middleweight in the world, Kingbo. What about you? Uh I don't really who knows. Right now, he's the best middleweight in the world because he has the belt, but he had a tough fight with Romero. Romero gives everybody tough fights. But other than that, like, I don't know. Who knows? I don't, at 185, like, um, Luke Rockhall went to 205, right? Yeah. But, uh, or th- rumored to be, said he would, then he wouldn't fight Gustafson. Who knows? He got injured again. Who knows where he's going? Yeah, so really, we got, you know, time will tell, man. Time will tell. Well, I guess my point in saying that is Romero showed me that he's certainly the most dangerous middleweight. We already knew that, but... You know, Whitaker more of a well-rounded fighter, yet, again, I thought Romero won this fight, so when, when, if we're in the topic of, okay, where do you go next? I'm like, hey, UFC, you go back to the well on this, you go to a trilogy, because I know you can say, hey, Romero never made weight, and he didn't make weight against Rockhold either, so we got a problem there. Yes, we do have a problem there, but you also have the problem that it was pretty clear to a lot of people that Romero was the better man on this night, and if you've had two fights, and both are really good, and everyone thinks Whitaker won the first, and most people think Romero won the second, then go back to do a trilogy to really sort out who actually is the best middleweight in the world. Where do you think they go next? Where should they go next? I have no idea what they're going to do. I Really, there should have been like, – they messed up with having these interim title fights. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, maybe Gaslam versus Ramirez. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I have no idea, man. No idea. Can we just talk about what a freak of nature you all Romero is at 41, though? I mean, you may have, like, the best – I'm not really, like, a body guy. You may have the best body in UFC, but to be able to – be that explosive at this age and show you that he had, he did have the cardio. I mean, he, he kind of punted the first two rounds, but holy crap, did he have the cardio in three, four, and five? Uh, is, have you ever seen freaks like this? Just athletic freaks that you just like, I mean, we've seen Lesnar. Lesnar was pretty much an athletic freak, but holy crap on the soldier of God. You impressed by this guy? Yeah. I, I've watched him wrestle for years. Um, the guy named Mihal Lopez he used to wrestle. He was a bigger version of Romero from Cuba. There, um, there are a lot of athletes out there. It's just that, um, we're barely scratching the surface because there's so many other sports that can feed into mixed martial arts. Romero did not turn pro, of course, until 2009 after that long amateur career. Can we try to explain what he's doing at 41 just to the idea that he doesn't have the mileage? You know, like Randy Couture, right? He didn't start MMA until his late 30s. He had the long wrestling career. He was very effective in his mid-40s, and we were just sort of like, all right, uh, 
Maybe he was taking PEDs. We don't know. There was no good testing back then, but we were just thinking, all right, this guy just started late, doesn't have a lot of damage. Is that part of what makes Romero still so quick, still so explosive at this age? Uh, I, yeah, maybe that, that, and some, that and good genes. And, uh, it's, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think that and good genes. He's, has not, not, not much mileage on his body. Only damage he took was from wrestling. Um, he wrestled smart. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I guess we'll see his next fight because he pushed himself this fight. The fight before with Luke, he got, he got the job done, but this fight, he kind of, was kind of pushed the, pushed the max. So let's see what, um, what happens his next fight? Romero's tough, man, because he's so good, but there's always these like little controversies along the way, right? Like the, the whole dirtiness of the Tim Kennedy fight, right? Like the missing Jack weight Ray twice fight. in a row. It's the, like the Jock Ray fight when he grabbed the cage and Jock Ray trying to take him down. Exactly. So it's like each step around the, along the way, we're like, well, this guy's great, but there's always this other asterisk going on. And certainly the weight issue is another problem right now, but. Man, I want to see him again. I want to see him again for the bell. I mean, we're going to have a short window of this guy at the very elite. And I, again, I think he's the best middleweight. Did you get any sense of this? Now, when he turned pro, his fifth fight, he did one fight in strike force. He lost to Rafael Cavalcanti. That was 2011. Did you, were you around him back then? And did you get any sense back then that he could turn into what he is now? Yeah, I knew he would. I, um, I was around. I, I was there at the fight when he, when he lost, but, um, he was just too small. And so he went down. You know what I'm saying? I knew his old management team. I knew them all. I, I knew he'd do good. Rebuilt himself, of course, in UFC. Went on that long run. His only losses in UFC are now twice to Whitaker, both by decision. Both he fought well. Interesting where we go from here. King Mo, that third round, have you seen a better one this year with the back-and-forth action? Uh, Maybe the Rashad Coulter fight. When he fought... Uh, Actually, this last, this last card, we were Rashad Coulter fought the first round when he fought that one dude. Oh, that was a brawl. What was that <laughs> Let me look that thing up. What what fight was that? Holy crap! That was just recently. You're right. Yeah, that, yeah, that was not Sam Carver. Shad Coulter versus um the Mexican guy, Chris De La Rocha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first <laughs> that first round, Rashad Coulter was a high school with me. I've known him for nice. since high school. I'm, I got him in MMA. You know, what I'm saying kind of, but that fight, that brawl. That round was back and forth. Which you know, high school it, it, was this? Which, where's your, what's your alma mater? Uh, Plano East High School. Oh, that's, that's well known for, for football, right? Football, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And, uh, yeah, that fight was, was, it was a <laughs> sloppy Super Bowl of gassed heavyweights with, with a, with a little bit of a gut just going at it. And Chris De La Rocha, did you hear that? Did you hear that little bite in the corner when Coulter's corner was like, this Mexican guy's got such a hard head? Yeah, yeah. Um, I know his coach too, so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of crazy in the corner, but um, yeah, uh, that was the, to me that was that was the best round I saw in the whole card, just because because the thing is it's pure now it's pure entertainment, but as far as techni- technically like te- technical entertainment, Romero and uh, Whitaker that third round was pretty impressive. Absolutely. Hey, Whitaker, like I said, I didn't think he won, but he won, he won the night in terms of just showing you how tough he is. The guy's legit. He could be the next big star. You know, he could be a pound per pound guy. We got to keep seeing what he can do. Uh, the, the co-main was a welterweight, uh, interim title fight, which I thought was, uh, gratuitous to have that as an interim title fight, but it produced, um, Colby Covington winning and talking a lot of trash afterwards. Here's the deal, King Mo. He takes a unanimous decision over Rafael Dos Anjos. Did it with his motor. Did it with his wrestling. I wasn't impressed though. I don't like, I give him credit for this win against a very dangerous opponent that I predicted would beat him. 
But even though Colby Covington took away a unanimous decision, I didn't come out of here going, yeah, this guy's a viable threat for Woodley. Yeah, this guy's a future star. I was a little bit underwhelmed. Am I right or wrong on that? What was your side of it? Uh, he got the victory. You know, um, uh, John Fitch like Warburg victory. Exactly. That's, that's the key. John, you said it. It, it was almost lay and pray, right? Well, it wasn't really lay and pray. He did damage. He was effective. It's just that he doesn't have explosive power to get the, to put the fight away. He has to wear you down and, and beat up on you till you, till you crack and break. And, uh, you know, he, he can't get you out of there at one punch. It's to be a, it's to be volume and that's, he's a volume fighter. You gotta give him, at the very least, you gotta say great motor. He made, he crowded RDA. He avoided the big strikes. He, he fought the style, the pace, the distance that he wanted to. So I do give him credit for that. No question about it. I was a little disappointed that RDA wasn't able to adjust and have big time success. What, what was he doing wrong? Well, he's a 55 pounder for one. He's just too small. You can see it when Kobe was on him. He, he's, he's not, he's, he ain't growing to the weight class yet. Now, with that being said, Kobe comes in, great job winning the, win the fight. But now I'm looking at Ben Askren like, everyone that said Ben Askren sucks, does he? You know what I'm saying? Like, Ben Askren could do the same thing. If there's levels to this, Ben Askren's at a higher level than Kobe Covington. Yeah, as far as like, as far as the wrestling and grappling part, yeah. Striking, maybe Kobe has an edge. Um, but all around experience, like Ben Askren, you know, but I just feel, I feel like that's messed up, you know, how they, how they played them, but, you know, things happen in, in MMA. Colby afterwards gave, you know, a typical Colby promo to try to anger people. He said he's going to bring the belt to Donald Trump's desk, put it, you know, put it on there. On Instagram afterwards, Donald Trump Jr. congratulated him. The Trumps are going to welcome him into the White House. This should help his profile. He should, should succeed in that regard. King Mo, he's a trash talker. Can he be one of UFC's next big stars, though? Well, he better be careful because here's the thing, right? I'm going to be 100, all the way 100. Oh, that's, what, that's what we want. That's what we okay. expect. Well, okay, that's what you want. Well, I'm going to be real. Like, Kobe better be careful bringing the Trump into it and bringing the Philadelphia Eagles into it because he's fighting Tyron Woodley, who is black, African-American. Donald Trump has a history of bashing, or not bashing, but being unfair towards African-Americans, especially ones that aren't rich. Now... If Kobe keeps on going this route, it could end up being a race thing. Yes. And I'm already sensing that. And the thing is that I'm an American top team and I'm at the headquarters and I can't, you know, if it gets, to, if it becomes racial, I'm out of this. You know what I'm saying? I'm already out of it right now. You know what I'm saying? But if it becomes racial, then, then I can't help. I can't, I'm not going to do, I, I can't do nothing to help, uh, uh, Kobe. It's you know what I'm saying? Slope. And, and I mean, that, calling Brazilians huh? animals was a little borderline. Yeah. But the thing is that, you know, um, that, that was bad because I, I knew that was bad and I talked to him about it and he just told me that, you know, it was a, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But this here, you know, is another issue. And if, if it doesn't get, if it gets out of hand, then I, you know, that's all he's on, he's up, he's by himself. He's by himself on this. I have no question about it. I, I, I think he's, he, it's a slippery slope, King Mode, when you try to so, so purposely make yourself an anti-hero. And I think this is the problem people have with Covington is that McGregor became sort of this anti-hero star because he was this badass and he didn't care. Colby is doing it in a way that feels manufactured to people. It feels artificial. It feels like he's telling you, I'm trying to be like this to get you mad. So here, I'm going to try to get you mad. Get mad. That people don't connect with that in the same way that they do for a rise of somebody special like Connor. 
Like you people, Connor has his detractors, but people also kind of feel like, well, this guy really might be crazy. I think with Colby, they they think it's fake. Well, I th- I think it's to the point where um, people start to think, think all of it's fake. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's just drama, just to sell tickets. People are starting to see that now. Like back in the day, there were, back in the day there was true animosity. You know what I'm saying? Like, but now it's like, I feel like a lot of stuff is manufactured. Because yeah. uh, let's be real, let's be, let's be real. Like, what does Philadelphia, the, Phil, the Philadelphia Eagles and Donald Trump and football players kneeling have to do with MMA? Uh, you know what I'm saying? It, it just has to do with uh, getting his name out there and trying to anger and, as many people as possible, giving away that, the results to the Star Wars movies on Twitter. Like, I mean, this is what he does. This is what Kobe Covington does. And that's why I feel like it's manufactured. The, the Star Wars stuff is cool. Yeah, whatever. You want to get people mad. But the moment you start, like, bringing in, like, politics, but it can be politics, but I'm talking about, like, social, like, um, um, so, um, social politics yes. into an MMA that's when things get real bad because MMA a lot MMA has a lot a wide variety of fans and if you come in bashing a certain group or certain groups you will be in trouble in the long run it'll come back to hurt you in the long run it'll come back to harm you in the long run well look but you know combat sports forever has preyed on sort of you know, nationalistic differences, cultural differences, sometimes race differences. We just had the, the anniversary of 32 years ago of, uh, yesterday of Larry Holmes and Jerry Cooney in that huge boxing heavyweight championship, yep. which really turned into a bad sort of, you know, white versus black angle the whole way. You know, Jerry Cooney was the great white hope against Larry Holmes. I mean, it, you know, we, we weren't as woke as a society back then and it really became that. What you're saying is, hey, Colby, don't don't force this into a white black thing because it's not gonna it's just not it's not a good time for that it's just not in good taste and if you're Colby really being serious here King Mo you're gonna have to watch your back when you really try to anger everyone somebody's gonna take a shot at you and it might be another fighter in the back room it might be some crazy fan like you do kind of have to watch your back yeah you, you, you do have to watch your back and here's a here's another thing like Donald Trump is known has been known to say things that have been messed up. And let's say Donald Trump gets behind Kobe and he says something messed up. Kobe will have to live with that and deal with that and fight that. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen? I, I don't know. I hope we don't get to that. But the way things are looking is going to get to that. Wow. All right. So, uh, Covington, of course, called out Tyron Woodley. That's obviously the next fight to make the, for the, the full welterweight championship. There's history with them being former ATT teammates. They're both the, the only ATT homegrown fighters to go on to win UFC titles. There's a lot of trash talk. Woodley responded after the fight by saying, Colby Covington is coming to get his ass whooped. I ain't never in my life. I ain't never in my career. I ain't never in my existence as an adult human being wanted to F somebody up so bad. Beat somebody so bad, embarrass somebody so bad, end his career so bad, take his life so bad. And I don't even say that figuratively. Literally, I'm going to try to hurt him so effing bad that they're never going to want to let me fight in the UFC again. That's a fact. End quote, King Mo. That tells me, tell me if I'm wrong, you're a fighter, that Covington has succeeded in getting under Tyron Woodley's skin, which could either be a good thing or a bad thing to him in a fight holding on to his world title. Your thoughts? Uh no, nah, I don't think I don't think so. It sounds like that, but I think Woodley knows what's up. I I I don't see it. I I you know, it's easy to think that because Kobe's gotten too many people mad. 
I think I think I think Woodley's amped up and fired up. But I don't think he's gonna go in this go in this fight with with like you know angry and looking to destroy. I think he's gonna just go out there, and when he has the chance to to do damage and and embarrass him, he will. But I don't think he'll try to force it. Kobe was called. Oh, Woodley called him a poser. He said he's embarrassing the ATT brand. He's you know he's a complete fraud and everybody knows it. Blah blah blah. Kingmo, uh, they have history at ATT. Woodley says a lot of what Colby says isn't true, that he didn't knock him out, that he didn't beat his ass. You're an ATT guy. Is there anything you could tell us about the truth of their beef and what really happened? I have no idea, man. Like, so many stories going around. I, I just stay out of it, really, because you don't concern me. I don't know. Um, but I really doubt that, like, Colby knocked out Woodley in practice. You know what I'm saying? Like, people don't get knocked out of American Top. It happens. But I, it don't happen that much as everybody thinks it do. Well, no, you know, if they do come into your home and do things, they will get knocked out, though. In okay. my home. This is my home right here. This is America's top team. Don't just, don't disrespect me in my home. If they do King Bo, then they'll get knocked out. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, they both share the same home, two of them, America's top team and the Octagon. So there can only be one, and we'll see who that one is. When I when you say, hey, gun to your head on paper, who do you like? I like Woodley. He's got more ways to win this fight. He can punch. He can wrestle. He, like, he's got a great motor. He's everything Colby is, but he can finish fights. I don't know if he's a great motor. I think Colby's motor is far superior because Woodley's gotten, gotten tired. Woodley's very, very um, – he has good motor, but his motor's only good because he's um, his volume's dropped down. Um, power, Woodley. Explosiveness, Woodley. Athleticism, Woodley. Um, overall grind game and conditioning, Colby. Um, How about wrestling? Wrestling just depends on when. Because if it's early in the round, Woodley. Now, if it's later in the fight, I, 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 I go with, uh, I go with Colby. Very interesting. Very interesting fight. You know that when they make this fight. All the old beef is going to be, you know, you're going to have cameras in ATT. All the old beef is going to be drummed up trying to recreate. I mean, it's going to be like, T, you know, Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw all over again. Somebody will release some cell phone grainy Zapruder film of them sparring. I mean, it's coming. It's it's going to happen. You know that. It's going to be very interesting. I just know that I but like I'm just, I'm just confused about why they had an interim title. It's such a joke like, to sell pay-per-view buys. It's such a joke. Every It's like boxing, like you say. Every fight's got to have a title, just like boxing. It's got to be for the NABC, North American, Continental America's title. You know this, King Mo. We're going in that direction. I, I know, I know, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, but like, what's going to happen with Kamaru? What's going to happen with, uh, Darren Till? What's going to happen with all these fighters that have been winning fights and contenders? They've been contenders for the past two years. You know what I'm saying? Like, with no title shot. Yeah, Colby jumped the line. He jumped past, you know, Thompson and Darren Till. And was this, oh, let's be honest here. Colby, you can argue, didn't deserve to be in this fight. You can certainly argue he didn't deserve an interim title shot. You can argue there was no need for an interim title since Woodley's ready to come back. Was this UFC hoping that Colby is the next Connor? Because they don't care about RBA, RDA in reality. Is this them giving him a chance to become an X-Star? Uh, yeah, but I think it might backfire. Because one thing, one thing that Connor and, um, all these other countries have that America don't have. America, we're nationalistic when it comes to the flag and this and the holidays, but we're not, and the Olympics, but we ain't nationalistic on any other terms. Think about it. Like, think about it. When Rashad Evans fought Leo Mashida, I was there. The crowd cheered for Leo like he's American. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, like when Conor fought Eddie Alvarez in New York, the crowd cheered for Conor McGregor like he's American. You know, um, I feel like when it comes to America, we, we don't, we don't really care much for American, American, unless it's products or holidays or we're going to war with the Olympics. <laughs> but no, seriously, think about it. You're or right. Tragedy. After tragedy, you know, after 9-11 or something crazy happens. But when it comes down to supporting an American fighter versus somebody else, it don't happen. It just don't happen like that. Yeah. Think about it. Think about how many big name American fighters we have that like people truly support and get behind besides the lower guys. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. It feels like American fighters are fighting the other sports in our country to try to even get attention. It's not, you know, no one, no one has American pride. It's not like, well, I love, I love Weidman because he's American. No, nobody cares. You're right. That's a great point. Uh, King Mo, after the fight, uh, Covington was on the FS1 postgame show and got into a very sort of hairy beef with Michael Bisping, which Bisping kept pushing and initiating to the point where Colby finally like made fun of his eye. And it sounded like they were almost building their own angle. A lot of people afterwards took issue with that. My boy Chuck Mindenhall of MMA Fighting wrote a column saying it was unprofessional. John Anik, the voice of the Octagon, even came out on Twitter and called out Bisping. Later sort of softened in an apology, but made the same point. He said, you know, there, there was probably a producer in Bisping's ear going, what the hell are you doing? Some people, though, King Mo were like, look, this is fighting. It's entertainment. Bisping's a, you know, a macho fighter as well. So who cares? Did you see this little, uh, little skirmish? Did you care? Do you, what do you got to say about this? I saw it, didn't care too much because the UFC, that's what, I feel like that's what they needed. That's what they do anyway. They're about drama. Think about it. And two, like, it wasn't like Bisping was just shooting his only shots. If anything, it was Kobe that went at Bisping first. You know what I'm saying? Bisping just responded. And the thing is like, it's just, you know, drama they need to, to amp up Kobe and, Drama they need to maybe, who knows, say Kobe does beat Woodley and he wants to go up to 185, maybe he could do a catch with, with um, Bisping in the future. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> that was my first thought was, hey, maybe think, maybe Bisping thinks he's got one more money fight in him against a smaller guy. Not the worst idea. Against a guy who can't punch at that level. Not a horrible idea. I mean, the, you start to think that. You start to wonder it. I just, I don't think UFC was in Bisping's ear going push this. I think he might have been going into business for himself. Maybe, but at the same time, Kobe came at him. Kobe came at him first. It's interesting. It's interesting. I, I just thought with John Anik even j- jumping in, you know, it seems like these broadcaster guys try to protect each other. That was a little interesting to see him call. Uh, I, I, yeah, who knows? What, you know, to me, if they really, like, maybe they say be professional, but Bisping is not a journalist. He's a fighter. That's true. Like, what do you want from a fighter? You put a microphone on his head, you told him to ask questions. Say, say I'm asking you questions, you start being rude to me. I'm a fighter. I'm going to be rude back. Like, I'm not a professional journalist. They can say be professional. That, that don't, that's like me telling Mike Jackson to be professional in the cage. Well, he's not really a fighter. Yeah, you feel what I'm saying? He's a videographer who, who they paid to Ex- be a fighter. Yeah. Exactly. So Michael Biss is a fighter. They paid to be a reporter, I guess. Or, or, or I don't know what they paid him to do, but I know he's on TV interviewing fighters. Getting information from him. So that's not his forte. His forte is fighting. In the end, I didn't have a problem with it. I'm not on this soapbox that's like, that's journalistically wrong. I agree with you. He's basically the equivalent of Charles Barkley on Inside the NBA, right? He's a trash talking fighter that you have on because he's got personality. If he wants to start trash talking somebody, you just, you let the cameras roll, Kingmo. You see what happens, right? This is FS1. It's not like 60 minutes, right? Like, come on. This is, a, we're talking about fights. We're talking about two fighters talking about fights. Stop talking about it. We got to move on, Kingmo. We saw Holly Holmes score a unanimous decision 
in a women's featherweight bout over Megan Anderson, the former Invicta champion. And uh, this was good work for Holly Holm. This was a, you know, Megan Anderson's a good striker. She tried to put it on. I like the angles, home cut. I liked her strategy. Your thoughts? Uh, I Everything was good. Said the, the matchup was stupid. Just pure stupidity. That's a fair argument. <laughs> yes, because there's nobody in that division. Yes. Yeah, so what are they going to do now? How can you how can you have Megan Anderson fight Cyborg now? Or You're right. They you killed do? that. Cyborg has no opponents. None. And they just killed the one that would make the most sense. The one who had Cyborg's old title in Invicta. The one who pulled out of a Cyborg fight. Now you just killed her. Great call, King Mo. And on top of that, like, let's be honest. Like, I, the Cyborg... Megan Anderson fight to me was looked look dumb. I was like, ah, whatever. Stop with the killer. But then when I saw the first round of the Megan Anderson, um, uh, Holly Holm fight, I was like, okay, maybe Megan can do some things. But then as I saw the fight go on, I was like, okay, she ain't doing nothing with Cyborg just yet. She needs more experience. You know, but it would have been a live had, body. So there, I mean, you saw who they're pulling for to try to put people in the octagon against, uh, against Cyborg. They're trying to grab anyone. Yeah. And the thing is, Megan Anderson, she, she, if she's the right camp, she she could be the person to beat Cyborg maybe in the long run. You know, she's 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 young, has a range, good striking, good hands, good kicks, knees. And Cyborg Cyborg's been doing it for a while, but I don't know. I just I feel like they messed that up. They could have built Megan Anderson in Australia to fight Cyborg in Australia. There you go. There you go. The Australian fans are crazy, man. They back things like this. They go nuts. They drink beer out of shoes. They do stuff like that. King Mo afterwards, Holly Holm reiterated that, yes, I'm moving back down to 135 to Bantamweight. I want a title shot. Amanda Nunez, the lioness, tweeted, let's do it, Holly Holm. I retweeted that and said, heck yeah, King Mo, because guess what? Amanda Nunez is also pretty much out of opponents unless Katzengano can win a fight and make that happen. Holly Holm versus Amanda Nunez. Yes, King Mo, sign me up. Great style matchup. I want to see this. You? Yeah, they, they can make it happen, you know, um, but who knows what they're going to do? Who knows what they're going to do? They might miss her and be like, hey, um, Amanda, fight Cyborg. Yeah, champ they, versus champ. They're they're crazy like that. They are wild like that. Do you think though, Holly Holm is uh is is potential kryptonite for Amanda Nunez? You got any thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know it's because big, big um, bantamweight, good counter striker. Maybe he doesn't yeah, good finish con- people. Over. Good counter striker, but I don't know because I don't, she doesn't. She don't got the pace and and the style to make Amanda really worry. She she say she takes Amanda down. Amanda probably sleeper. You know what I'm saying? Or submitter. Say she wants to stand, well, Amanda can kick with her. Amanda can possibly take her down if she needed to. So I don't know. It just depends because Holly Holm likes to back up, and Amanda can – I don't know. I think it would be a slower-paced fight. Do you think that it would look like Cyborg versus Holly Holm for the most part? Uh, no, I don't think so because um, Holly, um, um, Holly Holm – I mean, it's not Holly Holm, but Cyborg's a lot bigger than Amanda Nunez. Carries more size, more power, um, naturally bigger. Um, Amanda is small. For 135. She ain't that big at 135. She don't cut much weight. You know, so I don't know. But the thing about her is she's, um, she's explosive. She's athletic. And uh, she can give anybody problems. Uh, Taya Tuivasa, that Australian heavyweight who does crazy things, took a decision. This guy's known as Bam Bam, or now Shuivasa, for his penchant to drink beer out of shoes. He's 25 years old. He took a decision from former champion Andre Arlovsky. Were you impressed by that? 
I'll say I missed that fight. That's the fight I missed. I'm going to go get something to eat. Here's the main reason I want to bring this up. After the fight, during his interview with Ariel Helwani, who's in his last days with MMA fighting, Tuivasa said, hey, Ariel, you want to drink a beer out of a shoe with me? Ariel said, hey, I don't drink. That's fine. Tuivasa says, if you piss in the shoe, I'll drink it. Ariel's basically like, are you serious, bro? Like, you would really, uh, if I pissed in a shoe, you would drink it? He goes, it wouldn't be the first time I've done that. Kingmo, what the hell's going on here? People are drinking piss out of shoes? Why? What is going Remember when Juan Manuel Marquez drank his own piss ahead of the third Pacquiao fight? We're like, what's going on with this world? What is this? I don't know, man. I, I guess that's like, is he, what do you call it, the millennial? Is he a 90s? Like a, I don't know. I, 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 growing up, like, we didn't do that, man. Um, I just find it all weird, but maybe he's just doing that because he's a crazy guy, man. Young, crazy, likes to fight, likes to drink piss and beer out of shoes. <laughs> um, they can make a book about that. Piss and beer. I mean, I get drinking a beer out of a shoe. I've been to college. I've seen people drink beer out of shoes before. People do gross things in college. It's part of life. It's a rite of passage. I know this guy's only 25, but you start peeing in a shoe, you go to a whole new level, King Mo. All right? Well, well, well maybe you should make a new movie called Piss and Boots. Wow, wow. That's, that's well done. That's, that's well done in the moment there. Um, I'm not yet really impressed by him. If he would have went in there and knocked out Andre Arlovsky like most people do, they go in there and they knock out Andre Arlovsky at this point in his career – I may have been a little bit more impressed. King well, he's 20, 25 years old. Um, what's his record in the, in the, in the cage? 3-0 now in the, in the UFC octagon? 3-0? Yeah. You know, he's only 25, man. Three fights in. He beats Arlovsky, who just beat Stephen Struve. You know what I'm saying? So, like, to me, that's, a, that's it says something. You know? To me, it's an impressive win for a 25-year-old. All right, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, I like. I would have liked to see a knockout, but you do got to move the chains and see what happens. There's uh yeah. there's another fight where I just, I just. I'm not impressed by your performance. I'm not impressed by anything, King Mo, of this absolute carnival circus fight, Mike Jackson versus CM Punk. And I don't want to be the after effect, after the fact guy, because I'm not. Before this fight, I said, look, once was enough. CM Punk in the octagon, it was a yes. It was a car wreck. I have to see it. I have to see if he's good. I have to see if this celebrity is tough. We already saw that. We learned everything we were supposed to. But UFC went back to the well, and now even Dana White regrets it. King Mo, a three-round unanimous decision for Mike Jackson, who only has one other pro fight, of course. He also lost to Mickey Gall. He has some kickboxing and boxing background. He seems to be a really annoying dude overall who tried to make the moment all about him. And he bloodied CM Punk to the point where it was just like, why am I watching this? Two amateurs. King Mo, I got nothing good to say about this. Nothing. You? Yeah, man. I say this. I have something to say about it. CM Punk wanted to fight. This is something he wanted to do. The fact that he went to... We went to um that gym. I forget the name of the gym. Uh, um, Rufus, Duke Rufus' gym. Trained hard. Trained as hard as he could. And dedicated himself to MMA to go out there and fight. I give respect for that because a lot of people that won't do that. You have people that go to these fights and talk about what they do. Talk about how this guy sucks. Talk about how they do this if they were in the cage. But they won't step in the cage. Um, CM Punk stepped in the cage, man, at 30-plus. You know, it's late thirties, man. I give him that, man. I give, but, I give, wait, I give. I give him that. The first fight, King Mo. Yes, the first fight. I do give him that. I don't. Here's the thing. Like, I don't think the narrative after fight number two is 
well, hey, look, CM Punk respected the sport. He did things the right way, took a beating in there like a man. I think the narrative after the second fight is, hey, UFC, what the heck are you doing? This is the main card of a pay-per-view. These are two amateurs. It would be one thing if CM Punk, if it was, let me make this comparison. If CM Punk was Kimbo Slice, I'd be like, okay, because here's the thing. Kimbo Slice could sell like CM Punk. He has a special character, a special image. He also can knock dudes out, right? Somebody can walk into a right hand. Nobody's walking into anything against CM Punk. Maybe they'll get a tattoo if they hug him long enough. I don't know, Kimbo. There's nothing good here. Uh, okay, you know what? Like, if there's nothing good, then you watched it. You know what I'm saying? You knew. Obviously, you watched it. Like, if it was, like, like for me, if it's, if I know it's gonna be bad, if it thinks it's gonna be bad, I just, I don't watch it. Cause I don't wanna complain about something that's trash. You know what I'm saying? And I was stupid for watching it. But CM Punk, look, I thought he was, he was pulled off the car. So I texted him. Cause I was like, hey man, I'm sorry. Cause I heard he got dehydrated. Come to find out that was a lie. So he was amped and ready to go. And you know, I remember talking to him and he told me, he told me, Mo, I cannot live without fighting once or twice before, before, you know, I die. And when he told me that, I've heard people say that many times and they never fight. He's the first person that told me that and followed through with it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I give him that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, as a fighter, I, you know, I, personally, it's not that hard to me because I'm like, you just go out there and do it. But for a person that's never fought before or has no combat, ex- combat, you know, experience in anything, you know, I, I give him that. You know what I'm saying? I give, I give, I, him, I respect I give that. Him. I just, I guess I would have. So you're, I, if I have to ask myself, how would I have been happier in this situation? Would I have been happier if this was on the preliminary card? I guess. Does it really matter? Probably no. I just feel like UFC should have been better than this the second time around and should have known that, like, the fight's not going to be fun. If come you- on. Hey, come on, man. Look at who they've been signing. Look at who the UFC's been signing, man. They've been doing this. They've been signing guys that aren't, like, capable. They're not even worthy of fighting on Legacy. RFA, LFA. They've been doing that for the past two or three years, trying to, trying to, um, Fill up these cars because they've oversaturated things. Let's be real. Let's be all the way 100 about it. They signed CM Punk because they real, they realized like, hey, he's a, his name value. We signed guys that probably on the same level as him, but they don't have name value. So know what we're going to do? We're going to put them on fight pass and undercard as feeder fish. You know what I'm saying? We're going to help build other guys, but they, but they, they saw what they saw CM Punk had name value. So like, you know what? We will sign extra guys just for him to beat up on. The, the moment you do that means that you just you just lowered your you you, you dropped all how do I say it you, you all um you sold not, your soul yeah not, you sold your soul and you and you you kind of downplayed what you built you I'll tore give it down you that. a little bit well that's sort of my argument like look when Kimbo was in UFC they gave him a hard road right well well let me say this I I'll go to my grave thinking Houston Alexander took a loaded envelope of money. Not to, not to try to fight Kimbo and he ran away from him and got slammed a few times. Outside of that fight, they put him in hard and then they caught Kimbo when he still had fights on his contract at a point where I thought if UFC wanted to milk it and just do it for money, they still could have put him in viable fights. Yet, here's CM Punk on the main card of a pay-per-view when Kimbo was way more of a real fighter than CM Punk. Man, look. Sean Gannon. There have been plenty of fighters. Even Brock Lesnar at one point, people were like, oh, we don't know. He's a wrestler, blah, blah. They, they take, the UFC's taking chances and it's either hit or miss. That's all you can do with chances. 
Well, Jackson got the victory. Afterwards, he's talking about himself like crazy in the interview. He says, you know, maybe I want to fight Zufa Boxing. I want to be a face of that. I want to come back to the UFC. Well, at the press conference afterwards, here's Dana White's quote. Michael Jackson, I'm not happy with. The guy was acting like a goofball. You get this opportunity to fight Punk, and you're doing bolo punches to the body on top, never looking like you're trying to finish. I don't know what this guy did for a living before we gave him a shot, but whatever it was, he needs to go back to do that again. He's 0-2 as far as I'm concerned. I got the sense that he's a complete effing idiot, and I couldn't wait for the fight to end. And I regretted not putting it on Fight Pass. End quote. Is uh, Dana White spot on here about Jackson, or, or is this just another blowhard take? Man, he's an idiot, man. He signed Mike Jackson. What are you talking about? <laughs> he signed him. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's an idiot, but I mean, like, like, nah, he's not an idiot. But the thing is, I know he has regrets now, but he signed Mike Jackson. What do you expect? Like, he should know what he's getting himself into. I know Mike Jackson. He's pretty cool. Um, he went out there and fought. Like, how can how can Dana White talk about somebody, how somebody fights when he's never himself fought before? Like people, here's the thing. People listen to, to to Dana Bash fighters. Like it's different with you because you're talking. You break the fight down. Like Mo, they did this, they did that. You don't you don't go out there and bash fighters like, oh, he's an idiot. Dana White's never fought before. He talks about how guys fight, how they should fight. He has never fought before. What what's he talking about? Like he knows he he knows he got himself into this by signing CM Punk, by trying to find somebody that that CM Punk can beat. And that's when this whole thing happened. If he was just signed CM Punk and be like, hey. We're gonna sign you. We're gonna send you the legacy. We're gonna have, we're gonna get you a few fights in legacy. Once we see how you progress, we'll bring you to the UFC, get you two fights, and that's it. They could have done that. They could have easily done that, but instead, they're like, okay, we signed CM Punk. He's a big WWE star. Yeah, let's get this money. And it backfired. It really did. So White's main gripe there, and he said, you know, I would never sign Jackson to the contender series even. I wouldn't put that kid anywhere. He thought Jackson could have finished the fight. And by not trying to finish it and just letting it go the full three rounds, it essentially exposed it for what – I'm filling in my own words here. But exposed it for the farce it was, right? We're watching CM Punk laying on his back with a bloody nose just getting punched, yet the guy wasn't trying to finish it. Do you think Jackson could have finished it? Because afterwards Jackson said, well, I got hit with the right hand. I decided to just play it safe and go for the decision. Probably. You know what I'm saying? Like, looks like this. Every punch you throw in the cage has intentions – of finishing the fight. <laughs> Seriously. Nobody's like, you know what? Hmm, you know what? They're like, how are you gonna win? You know, how are you gonna, how are you gonna win, uh, uh, Brian? Oh, by decision or split decision. No one says that. Everyone goes for the finish, but it's just hard to get it. Especially when you're green and you're facing another guy that's green and you're tired and punches are com- coming at, throwing, punches and kicks are being thrown at you and you get hit one good time, your eye swells up or you get taken down. That changes everything. Dana White can talk about this and finish that fight, but he himself has never fought. Never. Like, he's supposed to box Tito? Never happened. I was going like, to say that. I, so I talked to Dana about that when he visited ESPN one time, and I, I had like a half hour just chilling with him talking. He says he did full training camps. They actually recorded a reality show around that, and he said he took a lot of head trauma preparing, and then eventually he just pulled out and was like, what am I doing? Do you think that – what do you think that would have looked like if they actually had done that? He got smashed. Jeff Mayweather told me, he's like, Mo, I remember Dana White at my gym teaching cardio, kickboxing, cardio boxing, and he'd be sitting here Indian style right there. And uh, he'd get up and ask, for, ask me, you know, I hold mitts for him sometimes or we go over combos. You know, he has no boxing. He has no combat experience. 
Yeah, he said he took a lot of concussions preparing for that, going against legit boxers, and it led him to realize it was a bad choice. So Man, whatever. what legit boxer did he go against? Please. <laughs> it's like this, right? It's like this. How can he talk about pulling up? He pulled up a fight. He pulled up a, he pulled up a fight. But yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna bash Mike Jackson for fighting. Man, come on. Does that make any sense? That's like me saying, you know what? War. I'm not going to war. And all of a sudden, Years later, oh man, they should threw the bombs here and threw this grenade here and shot here. But does how can I criticize somebody that's doing something that I, that I that I wouldn't do? Does this mean you won't be showing up on a Zufa boxing undercard anytime soon? I'll box, but as far as Zufa boxing, like I just think that I feel like Dan White's kind of in the wrong for bashing Mike John, Mike the Two Jackson for doing something he has never done. All right, I like it. I like these hot takes from King Mo. We also saw King Mo Curtis Blades, the heavyweight, get. The kind of stoppage win that he needed on this rise of six fight unbeaten streak when he sent Alistair Overeem to hell via TKO elbow. King Mo, that was a vicious finish. Overeem's face exploded. That was the kind of win for me where I go, all right, I'm starting to buy this guy as a title contender. You? Uh, yeah, well, well you know, the heavyweight division is weird because guys get hot and cold at awkward times. You know, um, what are they going to do next to Curtis Blades? Will he fight the winner of Ngannou and uh, Derek Lewis? Or will he fight the winner of uh, Cormier and uh, um, Myosic? Or I don't know. I don't know who else is out there because it's just like, you know, everything seems kind of jumbled. Pretty much in all divisions. Um, from 185, 205, and heavyweight, I, can't t- I really can't tell you the top five or top six or seven in any, of the, in any of those divisions, because to me it just seems like everything's kind of exploded. It's shallow. I mean, he'll be rushed into it. I just have a better feeling now than I would have coming in of, like, Curtis Blades as a title contender. And look, well, that was a strong victory. Strong well, victory. think about this. Yeah, strong victory, but think about this. Overeem's been stopped. Every time he's been he's lost, he's been stopped pretty much. That's, a, that's so, also a fair point. And I think he's coming off of, he's coming off a big – like, a, was this last fight he got stopped, right? Oh, but from – when Francis Ngannou took his yeah. soul with that uppercut. Yeah, yeah and, and Chicago, the same city. He got went in Chicago when he got knocked out. Uh, he, he got knocked out in Detroit. Detroit, my bad. Detroit, my bad. Three hours, I think, two or three hours north, um, north of Chicago. But he got uh, stopped by Miocic in 2016. Stopped by Rothwell in 2014. Stopped by Travis Brown in 2013. Stopped by Bigfoot for, Silva the year before, the same year. Karatanov and Hero. And then every, basically every big name has stopped him because he he comes to fight. He goes for it. Yeah, he goes for it. So like, I I, I give him this like Curtis Blades great win, but I feel like they should still keep on trying to build him so he can add more tools to his arsenal. Because right. you know you know um once you get to the top like you can get ruined once you get to the top if you don't if you if you're not if you're not um ready. Well, that's the thing about combat sports. If you overachieve and get a big victory, the reward is always. Somebody better ready to yeah. just, you know, remember when Jose Cito Lopez, uh, broke Victor Ortiz's jaw? You know what his reward yep. was? Hey, how about you move up two weight classes and let Canelo beat you to the body, right? Like things happen, you know, that's what happens. You cash that check though. People cash in checks. That's the business, King Mo, to cash that check. It's not about pride. It's not about legacy. It's about them greenbacks. Yep. <laughs> it's all about, about the green. You, right. can, you know, legacy's cool, but when you die and the next generation comes, you're just forgotten about. Think about this, right? When's the last time you talked about Rich Franklin or Jens Pulver? Fair. Fair point. Yes. Yes. Fair point. So you better hope that they had good, uh, good money stored away to be living a nice life today. Keep Think about it. Remember this name? Ivan Salivary? I don't even remember that name. Ivan Salivary. He's, he submitted guys to the body triangle. 
He lost to Nathan Marquardt. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Yeah, he was a good UFC fighter. He fought Nathan Marquardt on for Spike TV. So I'm talking about just that name and stuff. He was a good fighter. Won fights, but I missed his name, and people are like, huh, who? There it is. Hey, King Mo, I've told you on this podcast that my favorite division in UFC is women's strawweight. I stand by that. And I was fired up for this Claudia Gadeha fight against Carla Esparza. Claudia took home the split decision victory, and I think Carla got robbed. Good fight. I th- I like Carla on this, man. She I thought she outworked her. I didn't think this was not Claudia the killer that I was like, she might beat young Jacek back in the day. I didn't get that feeling. Well, her last fight, think about it, you know, her last fight she got wrestled. She got dominated, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, first round she did good, but maybe she, she's having flashbacks to that last fight. Well, Claudia claimed she had a knee injury coming into the fight that she kept hidden, and then she re-aggravated it during the fight. I just thought when they went to the scorecards, I was like, hey, big win for Esparza. Maybe she'll get that title rematch with Nami Yunus one day, and now this feels like a big setback. And afterwards, you got Carla saying Claudia greased herself up. Do people still do that? That's like an old-school GSP move. Do people still grease up before fights? I don't know, man. They might. You know, everybody does something. Everybody has certain rituals, but who knows, you know, um, Sometimes when people feel slippery, you might think that. Or maybe they might just ate a bunch of greasy food or drink a lot of water. Who knows, Is there man? a check I, for that at the checkpoint? Is there well, check- in Japan, they what they used to do with some people, they have they come to your locker room with alcohol. Uh, throw in a rag and have you wipe yourself down with alcohol. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Are those checkpoints legit, though? They're really searching for stuff? Razor blades well, in your mouth? Anything? No, nah, I don't think they are. They, this, this is it's a manual check. They just check, but... I know in Japan, like they're they're for real about it. They they come and check you over and over when you're backstage. They come by and have people come check you over and over again. All right, all right. A, a real quick, couple more just to run through here, King Mo. Uh, Rashad Evans got knocked out by a knee from Anthony Smith in the first round. That makes it five consecutive losses for Rashad Evans. Afterwards, Dana White said, "Hey, look, I don't want to speak for him." Sugar Rashad told me it's over, though. It's over. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, talk, I, I texted him and talked to him. He says his last fight. Um, so he was in great shape. Thirty-eight yeah. years old. He was in great shape, but man, that was a, that was a brutal finish for Anthony Smith. Yeah, as a knee, I, you know, you have to be careful when you, when you're trying to be close and someone frames you. The knee will come up. You have to watch that knee. You know, because um, a lot of times, like we don't have frames, they put that forearm to your neck to keep you away, and they push you away. You try to push into them, your head's away. So a lot of times, your head will come down because you can't push into them when you're top. So you want to come underneath the forearm. You know, so, I hate when former champions get to this point and they're fighting guys like Anthony Smith. I hate BJ Penn the last few years would resurface and would be in a fight night main event against some young stud. And you're like, why are you doing this matchmaking? This is a legend who is not going to win a championship in his late 30s. So you should Rich Franklin him and have him fight only other legends in fun co-main events. That's always my take, King Mo. So when I see Rashad Evans close his career with losses to Daniel Kelly, Sam Alvey, Anthony Smith, I go, why are we doing this? I love Sugar Rashad Evans. He's not going to win a championship right now. So either match him fun or let him go to Bellator. I don't think it had to end like this. Uh, well, things happen for a reason, man. And I thought, I thought Rashad, the Dan Kelly Rashad fight, Rashad could have won that. I think Rashad could have won, beat, um, Sam Alvey. I thought Rashad could have won this fight. It's just that he never, I personally think what helped Rashad was when he had those injuries, he never gave himself a chance to really heal. 
You know, he just came back came back too soon, man, from a lot of those injuries. All right, give me a uh, – I guess it's not true or false. Give me a – here's my scenario here, okay? Rashad, 38 years old, said it could be it. You know, he's probably going to retire. But people always say they're going to retire. So one year from now, could Rashad's next fight be against, I don't know, Ryan Bader for the Bellator Heavyweight Championship? Is it a possibility? You never say never, right? Uh, I don't think it will because, you know, he does. I don't know. It depends on the ESPN deal because if he leaves Fox and they bring him to ESPN and he has a, uh, a role there, why would he leave? That's true. Chael, Chael fights in Bellator and has a has a UFC analyst role with ESPN, though. Uh, MMA analyst role. True. True. Okay. So if but, you're yeah. say, if you're saying it, 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 the Rashad thing could be UFC bringing in their own fighter analyst to, to yeah, and, and and look for Chael to end up going to Fox. Interesting. Interesting. There. Um, I'm just saying, hey, if if Rashad sits at home in Florida for a year, still in good shape. Then somebody goes, hey, do you hear Vitor might be fighting a belt? Or maybe Rashad picks up the phone. Kimo, you know me. I love old guy fights. I love yeah, fights I think, between guys with names. I think Rashad's done, though. All right. I think he's right. done. Yeah, I think he's done. All right. I'll, I'll let you have that. The only thing I want to talk about to close UFC 225 is what may have been the fourth best fight of the card on paper, yet somehow it aired at 6.30 p.m. Eastern when Sergio Pettis took a split decision from a red-hot Joseph Benavidez in a flyweight bout. This could mean Pettis has a title shot in his future since he's really the only name Demetrius Johnson has not defeated. Were you impressed by this performance? Man, I missed that performance. <laughs> you know, I didn't even get a chance to catch it, man. You know, um, but the fact that he got that win, that, that is pretty impressive because Benavidez is supposed to be the next man to fight, uh, Mighty Mouse or possibly go up a weight class, you know, yeah. and who knows, but Benavidez has beaten everybody but, uh, Mighty Mouse and who, he lost in one of the fight, didn't he? He lost twice yeah. to Dominic Cruz. His only two losses yeah, are to two yeah. Hall of Famers. Four yeah, yeah, losses yeah. twice each to two Hall of Famers. Yeah, tough break because yeah. he had been red hot. He Look, he had beaten, guess who he'd beaten? Henry Cejudo in Cejudo. maybe the 2016 fight of the year. Guess where Henry Cejudo will be, King Mo, on August 4th in Los Angeles. He'll be in Los Angeles at UFC 227 fighting Mighty Mouse in a rematch. I feel like it could have been Benavidez. Yeah, um, it could have been, but... But to Cejudo's credit, he bounced back. He knocked out Wilson Hayes. He took a decision from Sergio Pettis. So he certainly got back in line. Do you like this fight? Do you like Cejudo's chances now that he's better focused on his boxing heading into this one? Mm, I don't know because um, I just I feel like they messed up by dropping um, Kyoji Haraguchi because that fight if Cejudo could fight Kyoji, then that could to let you know if Cejudo's ready to fight um, fight Demetrius because Kyoji, in my opinion, is the best. This one, one of the top second best one twenty five pounder out there. Man, you love that guy. Twenty seven years old only, still young. Yeah, he's, he can punch. He can grapple. He can wrestle. He's strong. I, he's 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 damn good. He hasn't damn lost good. since twenty fifteen when Mighty Mouse subbed him out with one second to go in that fight in Montreal. Yeah, and he has one other loss in his career. All right, interesting. You you. It sounds like you might be his personal manager. No, nah, I'm not his manager. I just. I just see, I watch him train, I see what he can do, and he's, he's, um, very impressive. Alright, that's, uh, we got that, a couple other news to announce. UFC has announced they're moving their weigh-ins from the mornings back to Friday afternoons after a rash, a rush of big name people missing weight. Now, statistically, moving it to the morning 
has helped overall. The problem is a lot of big name bouts keep having people missing weight. Speak on Wait, this. Wait, so time out. So now they're going to do early weigh-ins. They're going to do afternoon weigh-ins. That's what the the they, according to Dana White's comments, that's the direction. Well, what about the what about the commissions? Because they changed the rules. Remember, they changed the rules in California and other states to morning weigh-ins to stop the hard weight cuts. So pretty much, he's just undoing all that. Yeah. Yeah. So then, what about the weight cut controversy? What like what what means more the the healthier fighters or your fighters just making weight? <laughs> we got we got uh we got weighing issues. We got weighing <laughs> issues across all the sports. But uh, basically, the news was that Dana White said the promotion plans to conduct them late afternoon. Uh, going back to it. He was okay. So it happened on the UFC Unfiltered podcast. He was talking to Jim Norton and Matt Sarah, and Dana said, um, "We're getting rid of it. We're looking to take the weigh-ins back to the way they used to be. So when the guys weigh in there at the fight, that will be it. That will be the real weigh-in." All right. There doesn't seem to be much reason reasoning there. Um, fighters love that early Friday morning thing. Did you do that in Bellator as well? Yeah, we do. Like, it makes no difference to me. I don't cut no weight, but you know. Uh... I don't know. I just I feel like they made. I thought this was made to help the fighters not have to cut much weight or not cut. I mean, cut hard. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the that was used to deter hard weight cuts. What they should do start. They should start doing hydration, hydration tests or something like that. Doing like weight checks. You know, 45 days out, 30 days out, 15 days out, seven days out. They should do that more often. I agree on that. Now boxing does that to a certain degree. Some of the Sanctioning bodies do like 30-day weigh-ins. I always yeah, say yeah. this. Fight week, weigh-in on Monday, weigh-in on Wednesday, weigh-in on Friday. Right? Yeah. It's not that hard. You got to be in a certain zone for each day so you can't abuse it. Hey, I always say, Kimo, you want to fix this problem? You know what you do? You put a scale outside the dressing room door. And when they knock on that door and say, Kimo, it's time to make that walk, bro. And you step on the scale on your way out. Is that incentive to be wrestling near your natural weight or, or, or fighting near your? I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, I think they should just do same day weigh-ins. You know, like not but before because then how can you rehydrate? But I mean, like that morning, step on the scale, weigh in, fight later. I read deeper on Dana's quotes. He said, "When we started doing morning weigh-ins, it was very good. Everybody was making weight. Then people were cutting it closer and closer, thinking they can put on more weight because they have more time to recover. The reality is, it effed everything up." I don't know any fighters who are morning people, White says. Most of them stay up half the night and sleep half the day. Oh, I guess that's your excuse. All right. That's great. Yeah, moving on. Uh, also in the news, King Mo, is that there is a lightweight matchup rumored to be coming to Lincoln, Nebraska, August 25th, UFC Fight Night main event. Justin Gaethje, the human highlight film, coming back against Raging Al Iaquinta. You like that fight? Mm, yeah, it's a good fight. No, um, yeah, I, Al Iaquinta is a young... Uh... Very confident, you know, guy coming off the loss to Habib, but I'm pretty sure he's confident because he went all five rounds on short notice. Versus uh, a guy that doesn't really care. He's like a human stuntman. Well, the thing is, you, that care. human stuntman, you're only going to get a couple more. I, like, that guy is, is giving you, like, Ruslan Provodnikov feels where you're like, yeah. this guy's going to run into oncoming traffic about three more times, and then that's going to be the end of his elite career. Do, do you want to waste that against Al? I mean, it's not a waste. Al's a viable contender. I'm just saying, matchmaking wise, is that the best move? I don't know. Maybe, or maybe they're trying to get him a win, a good, a good win, because Alquinta is known. You know, what I'm saying he's pretty. I guess he's a pretty popular fighter in the UFC. Maybe they're trying to get him a good win. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Dana White also ran his mouth over the weekend and was like, "Hey guys, just to remind you, 
I think Brock Lesnar's deal is up with the WWE this summer. He still wants John Jones. John Jones still wants him. So that's Dana's way of beating the drum for a fight that, look, honestly, they could set the pay-per-view record because the, the two names involved are so massive. But what, is John Jones going to have a hearing eventually? Like, what, what's the holdup here? Like, I know you don't have the answer, but it's like, shouldn't we have already known right now how long John Jones is going to be suspended? What is going on? Mm, what's going on is that he's probably not going to be suspended for that long. And That's they, what I'm thinking. And they probably know that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, gun to your head on paper, John Jones waxes Brock Lesnar, right? Uh, second round. Oh, a late first round, maybe. I, I don't know. It just depends because, like, you know, if if if, if, I, if Brock could get the takedown, but Brock's a little older, you know. Yeah, and he's, he's strong, coming but... off a steroid uh, fail. So, like, there's probably going to be tests to make sure he doesn't just uh, rub meldonium on his toast every morning, right? Yeah, I, I I think I think John beats him. Maybe uh, first round. I don't know. Just to, yeah, probably first round because I can see a lot of guys beating him in the first round because Brock's is big, but he ain't been fighting. And uh, I see a head kick in his future there. White also said, "Hey, we're still gonna do this Zufa boxing thing, and we don't want to include the sanctioning bodies. We're not messing with the WBA, WBC, on and on. We will have our own. Um, I don't think you can do that legally, can you? Uh, you can, and like." Like weird states, unless unless Dan White um, has Zufa boxing as his own league and it has his own governing body, which he might could do or try to do. Um, but then you can't use fighters from. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't think. I don't think he really wants to use fighters. I think. I think what he wants to do is what he'll try to do is get fighters, big name fighters, offer him deals of do one off fights in his league, quite possibly. All right, Kingbo. As we record this on a Tuesday. Greg Hardy will make his UFC debut this evening in that contender series against also former NFL player Austin Lane. Uh, you know, no need to make uh, predictions. Everyone will have seen it by the time this came out. But uh, is Hardy ready? Have you seen him at the gym? Is he fired up? Uh, he's ready. He's just that, man, like, he's still green, man. You know, he's green. He, he's not been doing this for a year yet. It's been less than a year. He's very talented, green. Um, he sees more time, but at the same time, he can win this fight. And being the UFC, but when he makes it to the UFC, then what? A lot of people writing columns, hey, he shouldn't be in there with his past. He did a uh, press scrum on Monday. He said, look, get to know me first. Meet me. That'd be a good start. Talk to me. Give me the opportunity that you would give anybody else. I, I want to see this guy have a chance. I like redemption stories. I'm not, you know, standing by what, what he's done in his past, but I don't think you go, well, hey, he screwed up in the past, so let's not let him fight, right? Like, come on, this America. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, it's America, but at the same time, like America, like, you know, look at, if you look at his past, you know, that's his past. Um, right now, the Me Too movement's real big. And, you know, um, not to, not to say it's a bad thing, but what he, what he did, or what he was, what he, what he got, got in trouble for, also goes against what the Me Too movement stands for. You know what I'm saying? And there'll be protests, but at the same time, if, if Greg can get a chance to show, who he really is to the people and show that he's making made amends and show that he's grown up, then I think that he can uh, he can turn the haters into people that support him. Greg also said, quote, there's a whole lot of levels of understanding when you don't know a person, when you don't know any of the facts. But I do understand people do have their own opinions, and if you don't respect people's opinions, that's just Hitler-esque. He says, I am here because Dana White is an angel, a saint that gave me the opportunity to come and put my best foot forward. We'll see what happens, King Mo. Uh, that is your MMA news cycle. And boxing, though, King Mo, just yesterday, 
Anthony Joshua gave Wilder an offer. He verbally accepted. Now he's just waiting for the contract to be mailed to him. It looks like we have a fight in the UK this fall and not next year. I got to say I'm surprised by this. Uh, uh, I'm surprised, but you know what? Let's wait and see what happens. Well, that's what Let's I'm play. saying because everybody's texting me going, wow, we're really going to see this fight. I go, wait. Until Eddie Hearn presents that contract and they sign it, we're not going to see anything because Eddie Hearn has a lot of Russian money coming his way should Joshua exactly. fight Povetkin this fall. You know that. Yeah, and, and big money. Um, big money. I don't know. We'll see We'll see what happens, man, because the Povetkin fight is a big fight, dangerous fight, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a lot of money because I'm pretty sure the government, the Russian government will be involved in that fight as well. Depending on where the fight's at, I don't know if it's going to be in the U.K. or if it's in Russia, but either way, it's going to draw a big crowd. Wilder's team revealed that it was a two-fight deal Joshua offered. The first one would be in the U.K. this fall. The second one would be next year. Shelly Finkel, Wilder's co-manager, said they're looking at September 15th if Triple G Canelo 2 does not go on. If it does, they'll move it over to October. Kimo, would you be so fired up for this fight that you would buy your own plane ticket and go to that? Nah, because I, I, I've thought about it, but you know what? I would watch it because the thing is, knowing with my luck, I would go to watch the fight and there'd be a bunch of drama happen. I would have, I would have, I would, no, seriously, I would have just, no, cause all I gotta do is buy it and watch it on my big TV and see what's going down. So a lot of casual fans, a lot of people I work with, talk to are, you know, fired up and I get it. I'm fired up too, but I gotta be honest. And Terrence Crawford just fought this past weekend. Errol Spence Jr. is fighting this weekend. That right there, that fight, that welterweight fight eventually, if we can get there, to me is like Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Tommy Hearns. Like to me is like, you know, critically, the best fight you can make in boxing. That's the fight I really want, King Mel. Uh, yeah, I think, I think as far as name value, yeah. Uh, the best fight in boxing, in my opinion, would be Naoya Unue versus, uh, the, the guy from Thailand that knocked out Roman oh, Gonzalez. Oh, at Sorungvisai. Yeah, yes, yeah, if only the monster Inoue is moving. Oh, he moved up the pan away. Yeah, if he up, was yeah. staying at 15, that could have been a, a, but, a lower weight Super Bowl. But even at 118, uh, him versus the champion at 118, I forgot who the champion is. Um, then you got, you got Javante versus Lomachenko. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. You have Jarrett Hurd versus Charlo. Oh yeah. Jermel just won against Trout over the weekend. Yes. That would be very nice. Man, you have Bellew versus Ward. <laughs> uh, dude, I want to tell you, Tyson Fury looked bad, dude. Did, what, did you see that fight? He came back. Uh, and, I, I, I didn't watch it because I knew he was going to look bad. I mean, he didn't look, he didn't look bad in the sense that he, that he screwed up. He just was fighting a no hope cruiserweight and he fooled around the whole time and he had a big gut. It just, I didn't come out of there going, you know what? That's the guy that's going to unlock Wilder and Joshua. I still think, by the way, if Fury's in shape and if he's on the right PEDs, that guy could, could, could outthink and out sort of disarm potentially if he can avoid the big bombs. Like that's a fun style matchup to eventually watch. I just don't know if mentally and physically he can get back to that point. It's only twenty nine yeah. though. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but there are a lot of there are a lot of big matchups that can be made. Um, um Benavidez versus Gilberto um, um Ramirez at one sixty eight. Oh wow. King Mo going deep here. I like this. King King Mo's a fan, all to all combat here. Uh King Mo, uh that's it. That's our show this week. You got anything to say to your fans? They want to see if you're going to be back in the cage one day. They want to find you on Twitter at KingMoFH. You got anything to say? Yeah, I'll be back. You know, I'm going to be back training in about another week. Uh, I'll be back in, hopefully back this, this fall. That's the plan. Not sure what the weight class, but whatever weight class is available, I'll be fighting at it. But uh, I'm just enjoying life, man. How does that work? Do you... I mean, I'm sure you have manager, agent, whatever. Do they present, does Bellator present potential names and you kind of go, well, I prefer this one over this one? Or, or do you just get an offer and if the money's good, you take it? 
The money's good. I just take whatever. I don't care. Like, you know, whatever name they throw at me, I just don't take it because really, it's just a fight, man. I, if I want to make, I, I could, I could be like, no, I don't want this guy. But why? Just take who they give you. I, that's what I do. All right. You fired up coming off the loss to Bader to, 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 uh, nap time on anybody? Yeah, I'm fired up, man. I just want to show what, what, what I've been working on, man. So hopefully, you know, I, I get a name soon and, uh, we can get, get to work. All right. All right. We'll hear about that on the show when it happens. King Mo, thank you. We have two words that we give to the people as we walk away. You got, you got anything? Yeah. Well, that's how it is. That's how we do it. There it is. There it is.